Hey babes, welcome to another episode of Heal and Thrive After Heartbreak, hosted by yours truly, Alexander Eva May. On this show, we get real about healing after heartbreak and thriving on the other side. Welcome back to another episode and thank you for joining me. And if you haven't listened to any of the episodes, this is an amazing one to start your journey with the Heal and Thrive After Heartbreak podcast. If you've been joining in regularly, thank you for coming back. I am so excited for this episode. This is so, this is so, this is such a good episode. My guest is amazing. We connected a while back on Instagram. We have become friends. Her name is Brianne Davis. She is an incredible human and this interview is just awesome. It is all about sex and love addiction. It is all about her experience with it and healing from it. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear the interview. If you're enjoying the show, if you like the episode, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to the show, share it with your friends, share it on your Instagram, share it with your grandma. (laughs) You know, she might be needing to heal after heartbreak too or thrive. (laughs) Who knows? Anyways, share away. Let me know what you think of the episode by connecting with me on Instagram at the Alexander Eva May. And like I said, buckle in for this episode. It's a good one. Beautiful humans. If you haven't grabbed my book yet, you should. The link is in the show notes. It is called Her Awakening. You can grab it on Amazon and it is all about my journey to heal after my divorce. It is filled with lessons, stories, and strategies for you so that you can heal after your heartbreak, after your breakup, after your divorce, and you can move forward into this next chapter and you can thrive as the amazing human that you are becoming. Like I said, you can grab it today on Amazon and the link is in the show notes. To say I'm beyond excited to have Brienne here today is an understatement. From bringing compelling characters to life on screen as an actor, calling the shots behind the scenes as a director and producer, lending her thoughts and opinions to the podcast airwaves, and even penning her debut literary work, Brianne Davis has emerged in the entertainment industry as a powerhouse female creative in 2021. In film and television, Brianne most recently starred on the History Channel's Six. Additional TV credits include Netflix Lucifer, Hulu's Casual, and HBO's True Blood. Brianne's first lead role in film came in 2005 with the blockbuster hit Jarhead, starring opposite Jake Gyllenhaal. She also starred in the horror film Prom Night. Thriving behind the camera as much as in the front under her production company, Give and Take Productions, Brianne has produced three films while also directing The Night Visitor 2, Heather's Story, and Deadly Signal. With over 12 years of recovery as a sex and love addict, Brianne hosts the popular personal journal podcast Secret Life. The podcast launched in August 2020 and features inspiring, true confessionals from an eclectic group of guests unpacking a plethora of taboo topics. Brianne's latest venture in the Secret Life brand is her debut novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, which instantly hit the bestsellers list on Amazon earlier this year. She is a renowned sober coach in addiction recovery. She has spoken on over 200 podcasts and television shows, including The Doctors, The Daily Blast, and many more as an advocate for creating awareness of the deadly disease of sex and love addiction. She has also penned several articles on the subject for Cosmopolitan UK, Daily Beast, HuffPost, and The Drill. She is currently in rewrites for the follow-up novel of the Secret Life series and developing it as a TV series. Brianne currently resides in the Los Angeles area with her husband, Mark Nat and son, Davis. 
I am so excited to have this amazing human today on the show. Uh, she, I have been following her for a while. We connected on Instagram and she's just such an inspiration for me. I'm so excited. So uh, I've got Brianne Davis with me today. Uh, I thank you for being here. Hi, hot mess and all. I'm here. <laughs> for everybody listening, we were just chatting about how we're both kind of like a mess today. Mom messes. <laughs> That's what we are. <laughs> so do you want to take a moment to introduce yourself to everybody on the show? Just kind of a little uh, about your background. Snippet of myself. Yes. I love talking about myself. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I have been a working actress for 20 years, 20 plus years. I've been on shows like Lucifer, Six, um, Jarhead, Prom Night, pretty much any TV show you can imagine. You've either seen me on or whatever. So yeah, I've been a working actor. I make a living as an actor. And recently I came out in all gu guns of glory or whatever you say as a sex and love addict in recovery. You know, I have 12 years of recovery and sex and love addiction. And when I hit my decade of recovery, this overwhelming feeling of giving outside of just my community of 30 million people in the United States that I gave a face to this addiction that no one talks about. And there's so much stigma and shame. And so I blew the doors open and said, here I am. I'm a, you know, I'm in a healthy marriage with a child and I got over this addiction and you can do it too. And you are not alone. I think that's honestly, absolutely incredible. There's play, <laughs> honestly, like you're such an inspiration to me. And I imagine there's so many people across uh, the United States, Canada, and across the world that, the are, world. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> that are suffering with sex mm -hmm. and love addiction that never maybe acknowledge it or realize it or get help for it, even if they do. So it's amazing that you're talking about this and kind of, yeah, breaking down shame and stigma about it all. Yeah, because it's always the narrative is a man, you know, a man cheating on his wife, going to sex rehab. And, and it's such a bigger problem than that. Yes, there is cheating. Yes, I have cheated. But it's like picking toxic people. It's going back to toxic relationships. It's being obsessed with fantasy and intrigue and romance and flirting and, you know, going outside of yourself to find the person to complete you. You know, I've already talked to you about it, but it's like that thought of society. Where's my soulmate to complete me is such bullshit. So I'm like, <laughs> Okay, wait a minute, society, all those like unrequited love, that love has to be like dramatic push and pull is so not true. And I'm just tired of that narrative. And especially just being men when 38% of women have this in our yeah. country, not talking the world. I've spoken all over the world in London and Australia. And I mean, there was a meeting in Bali. Wow. So this is huge. And when that statistic, I said 30 million people, that was in 2017. So it's blown up, especially since the pandemic happened. You're so right. When I, I, I never thought about that, but whenever I think of, and I'm just thinking of celebrity interviews, but it's always <laughs> the men that come out, right? Like the David Duchovny's um, I can't even remember. Tiger Woods. Yes. There you go. Yeah. It's I mean, we just name them. There's, you know, even like Ben men. Affleck said he was a sex <laughs> addict, you know, it's just, it's always the same narrative. It's like women are not allowed to have conflict with love and sex. Yeah. And the they spoke out about it is because these young women these days are using their sexuality to manipulate and control. And that's what I did. And with social media and 
what is put on us as women that we should use our sexuality. And that is actually very toxic. Mm -hmm. That makes us shut down our intimacy and that we only use our sexuality as currency to get what we want. And you can do that in a marriage. You can be a sex and love addict in a marriage using your sexuality to manipulate and control. It's not just someone going around having one night stands or cheating. I've never had a one night stand. I actually haven't had that many sexual partners for my age. So I'm just sick of the stigma and shame. And I was like, fuck it. Like, this is what I'm doing. I love that (laughs) so much. (laughs) Well, and also like you think about advocates or people that come out about it. Like I'm thinking about men. I'm still like there. They're always, they are like, um, I would argue more so than women, they're kind of forgiven after sort or like, it's mm-hmm. not forgiven, but I mean, like, um, that's the wrong word, but it seemed like be, the way the narrative is right now. Um, yeah. Cause they tell know? men to go sleep with a bunch of people yeah. like, yeah. and that a lot of men in my program struggle with that image. Like they are put into that pressure, like go and sleep with as many people. And that makes you a man. But mm-hmm. what happens to them is they're over-sexualized themselves. They put women or significant others, whoever you're attracted to in this box that they're just to be conquered. They, that they don't have a voice. It doesn't really matter. So they even struggle with it. I mean, a lot of men I work with and help that debuffing that romanticizing of being a player Mm -hmm. because it damages you. It damages you so much. Oh, for sure. Like it's such an unhealthy way to look at sex, sexuality, sex, intimacy, love, all Mm -hmm. the dating and everything. And yeah, boy, boy, I say boys because they're, they're given this message from a young age, right? Like go out, sow your oats, that sort of thing. Well, even my grand, my, my mom and my husband's mom, my (laughs) mother-in-law, they asked my son who's three and a half years old, who his girlfriend is. And I literally looked at them and was like, he doesn't have a girlfriend. Yeah. We are not sexualizing him or putting him in that box of he needs to already have a girlfriend. I don't, I said, don't ask him that. Like, yeah. that's, don't ask him who his best friend is, who his girlfriend is, who he likes. Like, I, I was, I get so, I get so frustrated about <laughs> it because it's, for me, it was put on so young and I saw these images and these movies I shouldn't have seen and all this pressure as a young girl. Oh, do you want to get married? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I actually don't. I don't want to be locked into something that's toxic. I'm terrified of intimacy. I don't want to be abandoned. Healthy relationships were not mirrored to me. And that's why I wrote the book. That's why I did the podcast to give a voice to these issues that nobody talks about, which, by the way, if you haven't read the book yet, it is amazing. And well, you got to listen to the end of the episode, but we'll tell you exactly where to find it. It's amazing. I've been reading it. I'm not quite done, but I've been reading it and it's so, so good. So even if you're not struggling with sex addiction yourself, it's really relevant to everybody. And it's just a it's a great read. So we'll talk about the book at the end, but it just slide that in. And her podcast is super great, too. (laughs) People reveal their secrets and it's so good in a very healthy way. So just letting you guys know that. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I yeah, I couldn't agree more about the kind of the narrative. And I think it's getting worse and worse for kids these days with all the way we're woke. Because I would say we're more woke and and that's amazing. And things are, you know, barriers are being broken down for communities. And I think it's starting to get really horrible for young people, especially. And I don't want to like shit on TikTok because I use it. But like, I think TikTok is honestly, it's horrible. Like I, 
uh, I don't know what I'm clicking on TikTok, but my algorithm is all over the place and I'm getting, maybe it's because I'm quite a feminist. So I watch right. a lot of feminist videos, but then it also like pushes all this misogynistic bullshit my way. Or I get a lot of like guys that are, are women commenting on these misogynistic videos. You know, they do the, the split yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even though it's like I'm watching videos that are like trying to break it down, I'm also watching the original video and it's it's become really unhealthy for me because I'm like, God, there's all these men and there's wonderful men, but there's these other men that think these things and I'm seeing that. So for kids, like I can only imagine if they start clicking on like maybe sexual content or whatever or something, and then they just start getting fed this information. Yeah, it's very damaging for they they even said, you know, the availability of porn of sexuality is desensitizing our youth so much that it's actually an epidemic. Like we are going to see with this generation how damaging it is. And that's why I think I'm so protected of my son, because I grew up in an era where it was like, oh, sexuality, like, it doesn't mean anything like, oh, it's the arts. And it's like, no, I should not have been watching that. And I agree. Like, I don't allow my son to even look at my phone because it's just the phone in general is so addicting. They made it that way. Then, then going on the apps and all those are, it's so horrible that I just am trying to help. If I can help one 19 year old that walks into a sex and love addicts room, find intimacy in their own sexuality and, and not becoming impotent because that is a happening to a young boys. I mean, they're watching porn at like six and eight years old. That's insane. Yeah. But then the porn, the young girls are watching porn now because it's so available. So then they act out. Yeah. Thinking that's how you, how, what their sexuality looks like. And it's, it's fantasy. It's like a movie. It's porn is just like a movie. It's not real. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't. No, they don't know, know that. that. Their and brain the, doesn't. Yeah, they hear. You can tell them that. But if you see these images over and over again, they are going to desensitize you. So a lot of kids right now cannot be intimate with anybody. They're they're having commitment issues. I mean, that was the main reason I spoke out at my 10 years. It was before the pandemic, like right before. And I was speaking at a meeting of like 80 people in Los Angeles and everybody that was a newcomer were like 20 years old, 19 years old. And it just broke my heart. But here's the beautiful thing. They're showing up in the rooms. Yeah. You know, they're doing the work, but to be that like broken at such a young age, I think it took longer for me because I didn't have it all just slammed in my face at once. Wow. That's so powerful to like, know that those were the main, the new people, not the main mm-hmm. people, but a big segment of the people coming to your talk. Yeah. That's super powerful. Well, and I think too, with kids, they are witnessing these things and they might get a little bit of education in school, depending on if they're in the public school. But if they're in a, at all a religious school or Catholic school, they're not getting any education about sex at all. And <laughs> they're not even in public school. They took it. Most schools took that out. You know, the one thing I think they should teach in school is how to balance your finances, how to build credit. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is how to have healthy relationships, how to set boundaries, how how to speak up for yourself, how to let go of yeah. toxic people. 
that should be taught in like, school, not calculus. I right? don't use calculus. <laughs> well, like teach me how to have healthy relationships. Teach me how to build my credit and finances. Like, 100%. Come on. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So yeah, they're not getting it in schools. And then at home, you might have some enlightened parents that are speaking to their children about this, but probably not a lot of them. And even if they're touching on it, they're probably not talking about the porn these kids are watching Mm -mm. and then these kids are just left to their own child minds and devices to figure it out themselves and then they're there have all these issues like you're talking about and addictions and yeah they can't even identify because they're just children so yeah and they're overstimulized so everything has to be amped up and that's where the addiction is it's like you cannot they cannot put down their phones i mean i have trouble putting down my phone i have to like set limits i don't even i put stuff on tiktok but i don't Scroll. It's way too triggering for me. My compare and despair. And I talk about this in chapter seven of my book. Like my main character defect is compare and despair and how to use social media in a way where it you are not toxic with it. So I had to go through that as an adult. I oh, can't even imagine as a child. Well, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, I like had to I had to stop myself because, yeah, it yeah. became addicting the scrolling. And like I said, Ugh. harmful messages for, yeah, like us in our as grownups and like grownups with tools. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it took me a long time to get the tools, but like I have them now <laughs> and I know how to like maneuver when our mind goes to depression or compare and despair, or jealousy or envy or not good enough or not lovable and all that stuff that we put on ourselves, but young kids can't do that. So that's why I spoke out for those 19 and 20 year olds that were all walking into the room. Like I need help. I am suicidal and I don't know why I can't let go of this toxic person I was with. I mean, for me, a big, a big factor was a lot of people in AA that have 35 years come into my program and say, I didn't even know about this program. It's a 12-step Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. I didn't even know about it. And when I found out about it, I've been dreading coming. And then we had like a heroin addict come in after. He said, I can quit heroin, but I can't quit her. So I don't think people in our society understands how toxic, how addictive love is, how addictive romance is. Right. And I think- a lot of people, they maybe they they land on the scale somewhere. Maybe they're not, you know, as far mm-hmm. gone like a full addiction. But I would imagine so many people have some level of sex and love addiction. Think of your friends. Think yeah. of your friends. How many of them go back to toxic relationships, are dating the same person over and over again, and you hear the same drama over and over again, or they are going on, you know, swiping left and right, trying to find that person. That is all a part of sex and love addiction. And you can just be addicted to one person, not yeah. like, so I, people always think it's this, this thing where it's just so singular and it's such an array. And then we haven't even hit the side of sexual anorexia. When you get hurt, especially after a divorce, when you get hurt and you shut down completely sexually for years, like that's a whole other bag. But underneath all those spectrums of people and in sex and love addiction or love addiction or sex addiction or whatever, that underneath it all, it's the same thing. Fear of being loved, fear of intimacy, fear of abandonment, all of that. Yeah. So by treating those inner demons and those issues is where you can get at treating the sex addiction. So can I ask you, how did you heal from your sex and love addiction? When that was a process, I mean, I write about it. The book 
Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict is based on my experience. And it's the first year of recovery, but I had, I made it fiction. So no mm. one can sue me. I put a lot of Hollywood <laughs> stories in there, you know, which I of, love, by the way, like that, just, that's a fun part of the book. Yeah, it is a fun. And I wanted to make it a read where it was like a lot of fun and it's like a roller coaster ride, but you get in the mind of an addict of a young female realizing problem that she keeps going from relationship to relationship, trying to find that person to complete her, but she's so empty. So you go through that first year and that first year was very similar to mine. You know, for the first year of recovery, I did not have sex with anyone. I completely had to get rid of all my guy friends. I had to not actually even look at waiters. I had to stop texting, emailing, talking to any man whatsoever. Cause wow. I realized I was always putting out that energy, like flirtatious energy. And I thought, Oh, but this is just me. I'm just a flirt. I'm a friendly person. It's like, no, you're yeah. going into this world, raping other people of their energy to mirror it to you. So you feel worthy. And when that didn't happen, I would like think something's wrong with me. And I'd be like, put on a different mask, put on a different person. So how I healed is I walked through the fire and let that shit burn. Like I let go of everything in my life. I was willing to let go of my career as an actress because my therapist is like, you pick the worst career for your addiction, like <laughs> the validation, attention, you know, Hollywood's just surrounded by sex and love addicts. Like give me attention, make me feel important. So you know, I was willing to walk away from my career. I was willing to walk away from my boyfriend that I lived with. I was willing to let it all go so I could heal. And how that looked is going to therapy twice a week, you know, doing my 12 steps, going to meetings all the time, being of service as best I could. And one of the main things I did is I, I did a lot of community service. No one knew about, I would, I would go and work for the, at this old person's home and pack mm -hmm. their groceries. No one knew I would go and buy hamburgers at McDonald's and give them out to homeless people on Pico Boulevard because I had to get outside of my own ego and my own self, but also be healing at the same time. And it was torture. That first year of withdrawal from sex and love addiction was absolutely torture. It was crying every day, crawling mm -hmm. on the floor, journaling, writing, digging through all my past trauma, all the things I've done to people, people have done to me, sexual trauma I buried and didn't realize that happened when I was young. So it's all in the book. I really map it out so somebody can see what that process is like in a very fun, entertaining way <laughs> where you're <laughs> not so depressing because a lot of addict books are so depressing. You'd read a page and you yeah. just want to like throw it against the wall. So I try to do it in a fun way where takes you on a ride, but well, also, you <laughs> thank you. Well, I tried. <laughs> and I love the line you said in there, walk through the fire and let that shit go. I think yeah. that is just an amazing message to anybody healing and but especially in this situation and yeah. I love how you talked about giving like volunteering that's like so healing right so that's incredible so yeah. from this what tips would you have for someone that is has realized they have a sex and love addiction maybe they're starting from square one like what would you yeah. what tips would you give them that's the thing. Look at your life. Are you keep going in the same relationship over and over again? Is anybody creating drama? And I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about friends that 
show up, ghost you, you know, barely give you crumbs, you know, that emotional crumbs. Mm -hmm. So look at your friendships, look at your family. Do they not respect your boundaries? Do you say one thing and do the opposite? Do you say, I'm not going to text this person and then find yourself an hour later spiraling and then texting them? So look at your behaviors right now. What is making you depressed, miserable, reaching outside of yourself. So that's the first thing. And if it's a specific person or a situation, look at this. There's these 40 questions I always recommend. I talk about them in chapter three in the book, but 40 self-diagnosed questionnaire, sex and love addicts anonymous, S-L-A-A, type it in Google and, and answer them. They're very easy questions like, Do you find yourself in relationships you can't get out of? Do you accept less than you're worth? Do you find yourself sleeping with someone when you don't want to? Are you always in fantasy or romance going from one relationship to the next? So there's these questions. And if you get five or more yeses, they say, you know, maybe this is something you should look at. And I just believe this program could change so many people's lives. And that's why I spoke out about it because nobody speaks out about it. Mm-hmm. And nobody, you're right. Nobody, nobody speaks. Nobody. Out. nobody. <laughs> and just mention it to one person. I always say that there's that, that's why I did secret life podcast, because if you mention that something is buried deep inside of you and you don't know what it is, or you don't know why you keep doing the things you do mention it. There's something about just saying it out loud to one other person that it takes this pressure off. So if you have any of that, just talk to somebody that's safe, obviously safe, not somebody that's going to judge you or think bad about you, but there's the power in that is what I say. And then get help. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with getting help. I always think of therapy and I talk about this in the book a lot. Therapy is like a massage for my soul one time for me that it's not about anybody else that it's about me. And I can really look at myself and say, do I like being this person or is there things about me I want to change in my life? That's amazing. What amazing (laughs) advice. And I, uh, that questionnaire, just thinking about it, I kind of want to go and like (laughs) Google. Oh my God, you (laughs) have to go through it. (laughs) A lot of people, I think also when we think of sex and love addiction, we think of them together, but there's probably a lot of people, maybe they don't have issues. Maybe they have issues with both, but maybe it's the love part, right? Like continuing to go back to these toxic relationships. And it's not even about sex at all. It's about that intimacy, that, that love part that's toxic. So maybe a lot of people look at it as like sex addiction is about just sleeping with a ton of people. But I think you've really made it clear. It's not at all. No, and it's even sleeping with sleeping with your husband or sleeping with your boyfriend when you don't want to. That's using your sexuality when you actually don't want to. It's taking or disconnecting from yourself when you're in a sexual act. It's so many masturbating when you're having a feeling because you don't want to feel or you're bored or whatever, compulsive looking at porn, all those fit under the umbrella of sex and love addiction. So it's a wide variety. And that's why I believe that so many people suffer from this and they are unwilling, but it can swing. You can then be addicted to an unavailable person. You know, and then you can swing back to then becoming a sexual anorexic and masturbating and not wanting to like put yourself out there anymore. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, completely. Yeah. I was going to say, and I bet you there's a lot of women, like when you're talking about Mm -hmm. lots of these things, I just keep, my mind just keeps going female, female. There's so many women that get in these toxic relationships, like you mentioned earlier in the episode with bad guys and they keep going back. And I think it's probably a lot of how we grew up, maybe the, 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 
the messaging we heard as women, you know, at growing well, up or even what's now. What's the message? Go for the bad boy. No one's yeah. ever like, go for the nice guy that actually shows up for you. It's like, <laughs> conquer that bad boy. And it's yeah. like, that's such bullshit. It's like, yeah, why it's, am it's I going to bullshit. put all this energy into someone that is not available and that I can't change? I can't change a single person on this planet. So it's like you're doing this unrealistic fantasy you know, wanting it to work out when you're really torturing yourself, you're abusing yourself. Yeah. So well, that's why I wrote the book for people that only have that short narrative that I want to open it up to everybody. That's why it's not just my story. It's everybody's story. Anybody could be Roxanne. Honestly, that's the beautiful thing. I wrote Roxanne where anybody could be her. Yeah. Well, and, and the difference between a sex and love addiction and other addictions is other addictions have a physical thing. You can see, right? If you have a heroin addiction, the person is heroin or an alcohol yeah. addiction. They have, with sex and love addiction, it's so much is what's going on in your head and your relationships. Mm-hmm. Which it's a I'm thinking not saying, disease. Yeah. It's a thinking disease. And we use people like we use drugs. So we snort mm-hmm. people, we smoke <laughs> people, we yeah. shoot people, shoot up people, you know? And if you really think about it, it is honestly the number one thing that kills people relationships, yeah. you know, yeah, oh, relationships sure. and money. Watch a dateline. I mean, everybody yeah. on there is like a love triangle, unrequited love, trying to get someone to, to stay with them. And it's like this, this disease kills more people. For sure. Yeah. And there's so many people walking around that are addicted and yeah. have no idea. No idea. No yeah. idea. And they listen to a love song and think of their ex and then text their ex thinking that hearing that love song actually meant something. It doesn't mean anything. It means that you're willing to go back to an empty well over and over again because a part of you, a part of you is unavailable. If you keep picking unavailable people, it's because you're unavailable. And that's what that's where the healing is. You know, I'm in a great marriage. I'm in a marriage with a man that I walked in, you know, 12 years ago. So it's not like I went through this program and got the perfect partner. I went through this program. I went through this pain, this withdrawal, this healing to find myself. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing is this self-love. That's what the sex and love addiction does. It gets you back to self-love. Yeah. The, oh my, you've had so many amazing truth bombs on here. <laughs> like so many. This is like, there's so many sound clips. I'm already in my head like that. Oh my God. Amazing. I love it. You're that's such a podcast move where you're like, oh my God, I should use like, that. So like, many. that's what you're thinking. It's so funny. <laughs> so how did you, after you went through all this healing and, mm-hmm. you know, healing's a journey, maybe stuff comes up for me, you like, you know, it's always a journey, but. Oh, it's a journey to the <laughs> day after 12 years of recovery. Right? I heal all the time. Yeah. But how are you thriving now? How have you gone to thrive? I think the main thing I thrive is giving back, it's, which is the 12th mm-hmm. step in my program mm-hmm. where it's being of service. Everything I do now, I kid you not, is to be of service to somebody else. If my ego comes in and it's about me, I'm doomed. I will like destroy the situation. I'll overanalyze it. I'll be hard on myself. My perfectionism will come out. I'll like make it all about me. And it's like, anytime I do that, even when I'm an actor on, on set, I'm there to be of service. I'm a worker among workers. I show up to do my job. How can I help someone else today? If I base my life in that, then I'm thriving. It doesn't matter what happens outside of me. That's where I thrive the most. So everything I do, I base it in and being of service. The podcast is about being of service book. 
you know, the, the first book, I didn't even feel like I wrote it. Like my higher power wrote it. My God wrote it is wow. to be of service. I never wanted to write a book. I never wanted to break my anonymity. All of that was actually to be of service. I think that's amazing. And we don't, I think, stress that enough in society. We talk a lot about physical health, mental health, um, relationships, but we don't talk about service a ton. It's huge. And it's huge. I couldn't agree more. It's the only way to get me out of my anxiety, Mm -hmm. my worry, my fear, my depression. All of that is the only thing, I kid you not, that gets me out of it. I do gratitude lists that night. I pray every night and every morning. I go to a meeting still every morning. I go to a meeting at night in my program. So I do other things. I'm not a great meditator, but I still do it. (laughs) You know, I try my best. (laughs) But I do other tools that help me stay in serenity and peace and gets me through my feelings of sadness, anger, disappointment, abandonment, all those things, because that's living. So those don't go away. Mm -hmm. I just learn how to move through them and know that they're not forever. But the one thing, the one thing that saves my ass every time is going to help somebody else. I couldn't agree more. That's amazing. And for anybody listening that's healing in any capacity, to give us to live, get out there and serve others. It's incredible, like Brianne was talking about. So, Brianne, can you share with everybody anything that you're promoting, uh, where they can find your podcast, your book, all of the things where they connect can connect with you? Yes. So, please, if you have any questions about sex and love addiction, about love addiction, all of that that I said, please reach out to me at the Brianne Davis on Instagram. I pretty much answer all my DMs. I try to give information, Zoom meetings, all of that stuff literature. Um, but my book is Secret Life Hollywood Sex and Love Addicts. It's Can on I just Amazon stop you bar- there? I think there was a blip. Can you repeat that one more time? Which part? Just the book part. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, my book is available Amazon everywhere right now called Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. I'm writing book two, the follow-up Roxanne Sober Dating, which is like a whole next level of craziness coming. So I'm in the middle of writing that right now. And my podcast which my husband and I, it's our act of being of service outside of ourselves. So we have 87 episodes out right now. We have 67 still in the can. And every episode we put out where people, you know, talk about their secrets. So it's Secret Life Podcast. You can listen to it anywhere. And yeah, and you can hear funny secrets and really, really, really dark secrets. So come and join. And yeah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, make sure you pick up the book, listen to the podcast. It's all so amazing. And everything that Brianne talked about is listed in the show notes. Thank you so much, Brianne, for being on the show today. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the show. I absolutely love connecting with listeners. Please, please, please slide into my DMs. You can connect with me on Instagram at the Alexander Eva May, on Twitter at Alexander Eva May, and Pinterest at the Alexander Eva May. And also go grab my book. It's on Amazon. It's called Her Awakening. My book and all the ways that you can connect with me are also linked in the show notes. <laughs>